0: morning, good afternoon, good evening. Wherever and whenever you are in the world, thanks for tuning in and listening to the Scottish Field podcast, released on Wednesday the 6th of October 2021. Thanks for joining us today. My name's Kenny Smith and I'm the web editor of Scottish Field and we've got a bumper podcast for you this week as, over the next 40 minutes or so, we're going to be chatting with actor Mark Bonner, who starred in some of the biggest shows on TV, including Line of Duty, Casualty, and Doctor Who, and is about to return for the second season of Guilt, as well as the sixth run of Shetland. Don't forget that every month Scottish Field brings you the best of all things Scottish heritage, interiors, antiques, gardens, wildlife, motoring, whiskey, and country news, as well as interviews with famous names. Right now, You've literally got a handful of days left to pick up our October edition, our annual luxury issue, which highlights the best of the best in Scotland. Whether food, places to go, things to drink, in this month's features. We look at Scotland and beyond with luxury filmmaker and photographer Beetle Campbell. We find out all about the ultra-exclusive club of Scottish island owners. And we visit some of Scotland's most skilled artisan designers, creators and artists. We also check out 10 of the fanciest Scottish staycations that money can buy. All this and much, much more is in the current Scottish Field with 292 packed pages priced £4.75. You can find out more about how to subscribe and order a copy at www.scottishfield.co.uk forward slash subscriptions. And now to our first special guest, Mark Bonner, who has become one of the best known faces on TV. Mark returns to hit BBC Scotland drama Guilt, in which he plays Max, with Jamie Sivis, an old school friend of his, as his brother Jake. And Mark will also be appearing in Shetland in the near future too. This week he'll be telling us about how he's returned to his childhood roots in East Kilbride and Stonehouse for an upcoming BBC Scotland show, which is scheduled for 2022, and he also talks about stepping into the shoes, Oscar winner Martin Landau for a series of audio dramas based on cult 1970s Gerry Anderson show Space 1999, which has been given a new lease of life through Big Finish Productions. Mark also plays one of the deadliest villains ever faced by Doctor Who, The Eleven, a renegade Time Lord with 11 personalities who are active at once, opposite 8th Doctor Paul McGann on audio also from Big Finish. I should also point out that Mark and I are quite friendly as we've spoken quite a lot over the years. So now, over to our special guest. My name is Mark Bonner. Welcome to the Scottish Field Podcast. Thank you. For those who don't know, could you explain a wee bit about what guilt is, what happened in series one? There are people who don't know? Yeah, these are the people who, who obviously have been living on the moon.
1: Basically, guilt is the story of two brothers who knock over and kill an old man on the way home from our wedding. Two estranged brothers, they're and cheese, Max and Jake. What transpires is, well, uh, through the, the course of the four episodes and their attempts to cover it up via blackmail and extortion and money laundering and potential um, well, the potential to become sort of like money laundering criminals, and then their fall from grace through the uh, the gangster that they're involved with. The Max is involved with. They um, end up. Jake is uh, Jake flies off to um, America, and uh, Max is arrested for the hit and run, and that's how it ends. That's I. I'm getting in a police car at the end. Yeah. And, uh, and Jake's kind of waving me off soon to go to America, apparently. Um, so, yeah, that's a very potted. I'm sure I've missed a couple of bits out. I think wow. that's
0: it. I think it's nice and concise. I mean, I remember you and I spoke before you had, you were just before you shot this, and you were raving about how good the scripts were. And yeah. then you must have been delighted with the reaction to it.
1: Yeah, I was absolutely uh, blown over. We all, we, we all were, really. It was, uh, we, we felt, that we were making something special but it's nice to have that affirmed by everybody who watched it really that i don't think you we know, I, I, I never read and i do read everything but I, I never read one negative comment about it really it was uh, and i think that's testament as i said at the time to neil's fantastic script you know yeah, um, and the his ability to keep all those balls in the air whilst uh, maintaining the uh, you know the the through line of of what's um, happening and, and and the kind of like emotional heartbeat of the story you know which is the two brothers you know and their kind of developing stroke crumbling relationship. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Your relationship with Jamie is fantastic on screen. I'd imagine yeah. that it's just as much fun off screen as well
1: oh i absolutely i love him he's 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 um he's uh we always got on well at school although we didn't sort of move in the same circles really but we always sort of had a laugh he always made me laugh at school and we've become really good pals since uh since guilt um i mean we were pals already actually we you know with we'd, we'd, our friendships kind of you know and kind of grown over the years but he was the first person in my head when, when Neil sent me the, the first episode of, of Guilt. Um, I, didn't, I never saw anybody else playing it. And although Neil was the person who suggested Jamie because uh, it wasn't, you know, it was nothing to do with me, although it would have been had he asked me, he did ask me, he said, Who did you see as Jake? And before I could answer, he said, Have you ever heard of an actor called Jamie Sivis? And uh, I said, well, now it's bizarre. Not only was I going to say his name, but I was at school with him. I've known him since I was 11, you know. We're really good pals. Yeah. And uh, I love him dearly.
0: When you did the shoot for this, it would have been just sort of lockdown times. I mean, how difficult was it to shoot something
1: like this? For Series 2? For Series 2, yeah. Uh, yeah, this was my first job out of lockdown in November. So it was strange to say the least it still is I mean it's a little more it's a little more normal now I suppose as as time has gone by but it's it's still very strange you know wearing masks being tested twice a week but yes at the time it was almost I hadn't ventured out the house in six months so it was kind of strange to to suddenly find yourself on set with 60 70 other people and uh, not know not know what what was what was in store, but I mean we got through it. We had a couple of scrapes, as everybody does. Productions closed down. I mean it's it's you know it's uh, I think with the Delta variant it's been worse because it's more transmissible. But at the time that we were doing guilt, the Delta variant variant wasn't a thing, so we got through with yeah just a couple of a uh, couple of cases, uh, which were easily bubbled you know we didn't have to close down production because the the cases were sort of on the periphery they weren't sort of main cast or crew. so yeah it's it, it's it's very strange the new normal but you know that's that's what it is it's the new normal i guess yeah. you have to kind of treat it like that and, and just get on with you know wearing your mask keeping everybody else safe you know absolutely so, what can you tell us about the plot
0: lines of season two because obviously you can't say too much but
1: I can tell you everything but I'm <laughs> well, you... <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what I can tell you I mean I can tell you that well you uh, you probably know from the trailer that Max has been inside and is now out he uh, because he gets released in the first sort of ten minutes you you see him coming out he is keen to I don't know how we should put it, settle some scores, should we say? Yeah, and kind of try and get his life back on some sort of even keel, which he does, uh, or which he tries to do with various old favourites. help. Oh, I like it. I like it. I mean, you must
0: really enjoy getting the chance to come back to Scotland. Obviously you get to do Shetland, but then you're nearer home
1: when you're doing Guilt. Guilt's mostly in Glasgow, but um, yeah, we had we had longer in Edinburgh this time. We only had two days in Edinburgh last time. We had th- two uh, week and a half this time, I think. But yeah, it's lovely. It's lovely to be back in Edinburgh, of course, and Glasgow. I mean, that was back in November, and every job up until four weeks ago, which I've, I'm doing a job just now in London, um, and that's my first job in London since November. So. To be quite honest, I'm glad to be home <laughs> here. Yeah. Um, because you know, I miss I miss the family when I'm my family when I'm up in Scotland because I don't I don't live there, you know. So, yeah. um, yeah, it's quite it's a double edged sword. Obviously, I'm more than happy to be working, but um, to be away from home is hard. You know? Yeah,
0: because I know that when you are doing series one, you were shooting literally when you were doing the house stuff. You're literally about a mile from where I'm sitting right now in East Kilbride, which was. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. Because it was so frustrating. It was like, because I know you said you were doing it, and it's like, oh, you're just down the road. Because we see, you could see all the lights on at night and everything, and people going, what's being shot there? Is it Game of Thrones or is it something like that? Or Outlander? <laughs> so it was there, uh, but little did they know. I think last time we spoke, you were just finishing off shooting in Shetland. Try saying that after a few <laughs> sh- sherbets. <laughs>
1: um, so, how did you enjoy that, the latest run of that? It's great. Yeah, I'm they've already moved on to series 7 now. They're doing it till December, I think, but I, I'm not uh, I'm not around until November, so. But uh, you know, it was great. Uh, series 6 was uh, I have some great stuff to do in series 6. So I was really I was really pleased. And it's you know, it's always uh, it's always a joy to get back together with um the old crew. I feel as the old crew, I only ever see Doogie, really. I mean, you know, Doogie and Erin are the two, you know, they're the people I have the most stuff with. Even though I'm great pals with Alison and love her very much, I I never see her. We've had one scene in the six series when she was putting me in a prison cell. It's always a joy. It's like we're a family, you know. It's, uh, it's like going to see your old, it's like going to see your in-laws at yep. Christmas time.
0: The other thing you did recently when in Scotland was the, uh, the new towns,
1: as obviously you lived in yeah. Bright as in your town when you were younger. So if you could maybe yeah. tell us a wee bit about that. Well, I'll tell you what, I got to go and play on it. Remember that sculpture we were talking about that used to be in the town centre that's now in yes. a park? I got to go and play on it again.
0: Yay. That was nice.
1: And it brought back a load of memories, um, which was great. And I could get up on the highest bit because it was always there. There was a short bit and a high bit and I could never get up on the high bit because I was only I don't know, six. But uh, I made a point of getting up on it. Oh, well, it was still quite hard, actually. But um, yeah, so the, no, that was, it was great. That was, um, uh, that's a show that I think is going to be called Meet You at the Hippos um, because my dad made the hippos, which are in uh, Glenrothes. And uh, it it was, um, it's, I guess it's kind of, it's the story of new towns and public art and my dad and me, I guess, and what it means for, you know, why public artists were um, a thing, why new towns were a thing as well, and, and what what uh, public art meant to the people and still does uh, mean to the people that live in the new towns. So it was a kind of exploration we went to every single new town in Scotland. So it was a bit of a it was a mad two weeks. And we met some fascinating people, politicians and artists and historians. And um, yeah, it was, a really, it was a really interesting journey for, to use the word that documentarians hate to use. I'm going on a journey. So yeah, but it was, it was a fascinating um, experience. And um, I learned a huge amount about that whole area that I, of things I had no idea about. So yeah, it was it was good. I really enjoyed it.
0: It must have been quite emotional as well, sort of you know, seeing where your dad had done this sort of, has done his yeah. Work. It
1: was, it was, um, and I, you know, I mean, and and remembering and going back to we went back to uh, our well, I mean, in Stonehouse where I kind of was from the ages of sort of seven to eleven. That was where most of my kind of early memories started. So yeah, that was very strange. See, going back to Stonehouse again, and and and, but but wonderful. The people and the people in Stonehouse were just the most friendly bunch of folk. I mean, all everywhere was, but but they were so accommodating in Stonehouse and so kind of. Uh, loving of the of the um the elephants my dad made concrete elephants uh, in stonehouse amongst other places that in other places too but I think stonehouse was the first place they were because dad dad was going to be um instrumental in in he was the East Kilbride and stonehouse town artist when uh, and then he was moved to stonehouse when stonehouse newtown was planned but then they scrapped stonehouse newtown after they built two streets, basically, and then they scrapped the idea because they they decided they wanted to use the money to redevelop and regenerate the east end of Glasgow. Because essentially new towns were overspilled, were Glasgow overspilled. Edinburgh as well, but mostly Glasgow. And then a lot of people in Glasgow were getting hacked off, quite rightly, because all this money was going to build these brand new places while, while they were still essentially... Um, living in old sort of slummy tenements, you know. So, so, uh, so they redirected the money, and, and Stonehouse Newtown never happened, which uh, you know can be can be viewed as a good or a bad thing because it essentially would have turned Stonehouse into a small city, whereas yeah. it's it's um it's still a, it's still a town, you know. It's still pretty much the same size that I remember it um, when I was little. I didn't realise that your dad was responsible
0: for the concrete elephants. We've got them in East Bride as well. They're about um, they're about five minutes' walk from here.
1: Yeah, that's right, yeah. And yeah, they moved them from Green Hills. Well. Yeah, yeah. Cool. well, we visited oh, those ones. Amazing. We visited East Bride uh, and uh, went to the elephants. They're on sort of, sort of, uh, at the top of a hill, aren't they? Yes. Yeah. That's amazing. So, of course,
0: one other thing we'll give a wee mention to you is you've been keeping yourself quite busy with voice work in lockdown as well, doing a couple of roles. One recreating and putting a new spin on and one that you've created with Space 1999 and following in the footsteps of Martin Landau as Commander Koenig.
1: Yes, indeed. Yeah. I mean, God, it's the only time I'll ever be able to say, well, at least I get to say I'm, I'm uh, you know, the new Martin Landau. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, he's what, he, he was an incredible actor and that was an incredible part of my childhood which I used to avidly wait for every Saturday morning, I think it was Space 1999. Uh, yeah, so it's, a, it's an absolute joy to be able to do that because, because it was such a special part of my childhood, but also because the um, sort of it's not a reimagining, but the, but the way that they've kind of um, re-enlivened the stories they've taken they take some of the existing episodes um, from the TV and and adapt them. And uh, so it's a mixture of new stories and and adapted sort of uh, from the TV uh, stories, and the way they've done this is fantastic. they and and I think it works. You know, I mean, those although we were of a certain age at that time, uh, and but when you look back at them now, it's you know it's all cardboard and and um, polystyrene, and you know it's quite it's like Doctor Who back in the day. You know, it's it, you can see the joins and the gaffer tape, but I think it lends itself really well to audio, because I think anything space does, as long as you paint the picture well enough in the writing and the, and the soundscape, which Big Finish are experts at both, it's a real thrill, you know, t- to record with all that, you know, knowing that it's going to be, it's going to be an oral uh, experience.
0: Yeah, it's fantastic, such a great series. And long may it continue. But of course, the other part that you've created is uh, the Eleven. So perhaps those who've, who haven't heard, Scottish
1: field listeners who've never heard of the Eleven, how would you sum him um, up? He's, uh, the Eleven is a Time Lord from Gallifrey, but he's um, slightly unstable in that he retains all of his previous 10 regenerations within himself. And they all vie for the, the number one spot, I suppose, is the best way to put it. Um, so, so he can have, um, there can be whole scenes that are just me talking to myself in with one of my others or many of my others, depending on what the, what the uh, situation or argument is about. I've been doing the eleven for, for I don't know five or six years maybe now. And uh it's it's an absolute joy every time to to revisit him and see what, what else have in store for him. He's a great character and he's he's massive amounts of fun to play. It's bloody exhausting, but he's uh, he's good fun.
0: Yeah. I'm just glad that the six hasn't popped through to visit us today to try and kill us <laughs> all.
1: <laughs> yeah, he's the most exhausting of all. I'm all, and I'm glad he's quite, they're quite economical with the six, um, which I'm always glad about because that he, he takes the most out <laughs> of my fragile old body. And getting to work with your wife, Lucy, there on the most recent
0: set, that must have been yeah. really fun, the fact that she gets to have a go at what you do as well.
1: Yeah, it was brilliant fun. She was in it, she got the comfy seat um, at the bottom of the garden. I got the uh, confined space under the stairs, um, it was really, it was really special to be able to record together, albeit you know not in the same studio together. But yeah, it was we sort of uh, we recorded each other down our respective headphones to have a laugh and sent each other messages and stuff. It was good, it was really good for me. not worked together for a while, and it was uh, it was really nice to be able to do it again. That's brilliant, Mark. Thank you so much. It's a pleasure, Kenny. It's good, good
0: to see you and um have Thank a you, mate. And series two of Guilt begins on the 12th of October on the BBC. Now we're joined by a second guest, Kathy Camleitner, who hosts and writes a podcast, Wild for Scotland. Wild for Scotland is a travel storytelling podcast for Scotland-loving adults. Through immersive storytelling and awe-inspiring travel stories the podcast whisks listeners away to the far corners of Scotland, inspiring them to visit or simply dream away from their living room. Using first-person narration, detailed visual descriptions and immersive sound effects, it almost feels like you're there. Just like the author's blog, Wild for Scotland is directed at frequent and first-time travellers with a soft spot for Scotland who are looking for inspiration. The podcast particularly aims to reach those who miss the opportunity to visit Scotland for themselves, either because of the pandemic or other reasons, and always includes some tips to plan your own trip to the location. Season one launched in March 2021 and was all about the Scottish Isles, and the second run is currently dropping weekly.
2: So, my name is Cathy Kamleitner, I'm a travel writer and podcaster and I run the Scotland travel blog Watch Me See, as well as the podcast Wild for Scotland.
0: So Cathy, welcome to the Scottish Field Podcast.
2: Thank you very much for having me.
0: It's always nice to meet another podcaster. It's, there's something <laughs> nice. We've got our own lovely wee communities going and we understand the pressures of getting all these edits done and getting everything in on time for our deadlines. Oh yes. <laughs> oh, yes. <laughs> So we could start off, you're not originally Scottish, are you? Despite the accent, you, are ve- you sound very, very Scottish.
2: I do convince a lot of people, but I confuse probably even more. <laughs> <laughs> I'm originally from Austria, born and raised in Vienna, but moved to Glasgow eight years ago and have taken on the accent that I'm surrounded by every single day. <laughs>
0: <laughs> what got your interest in doing your website, first of all?
2: I've always been writing. I've always been writing little books, whether I was, you know, as a child, copying information from lots and lots of books from the library into my little booklets. That was always a passion of mine. And then as I grew up, I started travelling a lot more and I loved doing that and started writing for different travel publications. And when I moved to Scotland, initially, I still travelled abroad quite a lot, but the work changed. You know, my situation changed and I couldn't leave the country as much and as flexibly as I wanted anymore. And I started writing a lot more about Scotland. And my editor at the time said to me, Cathy, you need to write about other places, you know, you can't just write about one place. And I said, well, actually, I think I can. (laughs) There's so much to see, there's so much to do. i was so fascinated with exploring the country more in depth that I then started my own website at that point and very quickly decided to only write about Scotland and really dive deep into the country and what it has to offer rather than just scratching the surface.
0: What is it about Scotland that appeals to you so much? Was it something that caught your eye in Austria?
2: I was always fascinated with this idea of the Highlands and the rolling hills, which is maybe very, you know, a very romantic view of what Scotland can be. I had never been here before I moved here. I had never travelled. I hadn't, at least I can't remember, reading books or watching films about it. It was just an idea in my head. And it just fascinated me. And when I moved here and then found that it's just so much richer, there's so much more to this country and so much to explore, whether it's the landscapes, the culture, the people, the food, all of these things. I think the, the facets that I discovered when I actually arrived and spent a bit more time here just kept me here and kept me engaged and wanting to learn and see more.
0: Yeah, because I think... You mentioned things like the Highlands, because obviously for us in Scotland, when we think of Austria, we tend to think of the opening of The Sound of Music with the hills (laughs) and the snow and everything like that. So it's it's sort of in many ways, it's like a reverse thing. We've got the same sort of perception of each other's country in that way.
2: Absolutely, absolutely. You know what? I've not ever seen Sound of Music all the way through. I've seen parts of it. It's not, we don't do it in Austria. I'm sorry, it's a tourist thing. So the podcast,
0: you're into your second season now.
2: Yeah, I just launched a second season in September.
0: Yeah, so we could maybe explain what the podcast is and what it's all about.
2: Yeah, so Wild for Scotland is an immersive storytelling podcast. It's all about travel stories and making them sound and feel as much as possible, like you were there with me in the moment. During lockdown, like probably many travel writers and travellers around the world, I felt that need to still explore and get out and connect with other people over the things that we love, in this case, Scotland. But obviously that wasn't really possible. And I thought about what can I do to make Scotland feel close to people and to keep exploring and to keep sharing stories and and my love for the country? What can I do to bring that across? And the podcast was just a way for me to do that, that added to not just photos on my social media or articles on on my blog, But really do something people can listen to whether they're planning a trip or not. So the stories I tell are very much about experiencing the country, what it looks like, what it feels like, what it smells like and the little gems, the hidden secrets you can find around the country. In the first season I wrote 10 stories that were all about the Scottish islands and each week we travel to a different island or in some of the episodes also a couple of islands because I love island hopping and in the second season we're going on road trips so every week we drive down a different scenic drive in Scotland and what is very important to me is that we slow down we don't do 300 miles in a day but probably less than 100 most episodes and really focus on what is left and right of the road and what can we explore.
0: So what sort of reaction have you had and where do you have listeners from?
2: It's been amazing. I think there's listeners both from Scotland and the UK, but also from further afield. You know, I've heard from people from the States, from different European countries, even from Australia, people who've been here before or are still dreaming of visiting Scotland for the first time once they feel like they can travel again or, you know, once the restrictions are eased enough for them to visit. People tell me that they listen at home when they have a cup of tea on the weekends or when they drive or when they are out in the garden. And the main feedback I get is that people really feel like they're here and that they're experiencing these places that I talk about. And that, to me, is just the best feedback in the world.
0: Yeah, because I think that's the, the amazing thing about podcasts is you can reach anyone anywhere in the world. Just having a look through it, it's, it's fascinating just seeing the places that you've got there. You've got the Isle of Butte, Isle of Barra, Tyree, Iona, Staffa, Isle of Cole. Orange and just going on uh, just the Rins of Galloway Road to the Isles and it just is covering those places that are just maybe we don't all have the access to to get to even from here I mean I'm speaking to you from East Bride so it's not <laughs> it's not so easy just to go and hop onto an island so that's the great thing about the series.
2: Yeah absolutely and you know islands is something they are just a dream like fascination for me I love anything that is surrounded by water on all four sides (laughs) so the Scottish islands the beaches the history and heritage and, and the whole kind of experience of being on the Scottish islands it's not something you necessarily expect when you think about Scotland it is what I said earlier that image of the highlands the mountains and maybe the medieval castles and things like that but the actual islands are that little step farther. It's not what people expect right at the start when they think about Scotland. So it's that surprise waiting just one ferry ride away. And like you say, it's not that easy to get to them. So it takes a bit of an effort. And so I'm hoping that the series really inspires people to think about what are the places I can visit that aren't the typical, the, the, the standard Destinations that we all love and, and know of. But yeah, thinking a little bit outside the box.
0: Yeah. So, what have we still got to come in series two?
2: So, so far we've travelled on a route to the Isles, the Rings of Galloway in the southwest, and also to the Isle of Lewis out in the Outer Hebrides. I've got a few more road trips coming up that go over to the northeast. So, we're going to the Space Side for another whiskey episode. We're going to the Cairngorms National Parks to drive down the snow roads and we're also heading down to Five to see the east nook of Five and the fishing villages along that road trip. So there's lots and lots of stories still coming up. Also some more island stories over on the west coast, some wildlife and yeah just loads and loads of different scenic roads.
0: Which place has been the biggest surprise to you when you've been to visit it?
2: Wow what a question! I think Scotland surprises me every single time, to be honest, because there's just so much to do and so much to discover. I recently went to the Speyside, which is a region I've discovered before. You know, I've, I've travelled to the Side before and I went and hiked the Side Way a couple of years ago with some friends and I thought I knew what it was like to travel the the Side, but I recently went there for the podcast to do some research and actually spend a lot of time in the area of Dufftown and really get to know that village and the history and the the whiskey distilleries in that area particularly. And I went on a whiskey walking tour and it was just so much fun to learn about all the different distilleries. I had no idea that there was nine distilleries just in Dufftown alone. Two are closed, so it's it's only seven that are still operating. But I had no idea, and so it's things like that. It's areas that you think you know, but there's actually so many layers underneath that kind of the typical knowledge or the 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 things that are in the tourism messages, so to say, or that you read about. And really going deep and speaking to the locals and finding out about those little tucked away stories. I found a little fairy wood um near Dufftown as well, and it's just little things like that that I love to explore.
0: I mean, what's the reaction been with friends and family back home when they've when they've heard the episodes?
2: It's been really lovely because for my friends and family, some of them have visited Scotland, of course, in the last eight years that I've lived here. But even then it's it's an opportunity for them to actually experience the places through my eyes as well. I might not always be able to come home and visit and tell them all about it myself, but these stories are a way for them to be there with me in a way to. It's also a way to practice their English because, of course, in Austria, we speak German, so it's not their first language. I get messages from my mum every week when she listens to the episodes and is really proud of understanding them. So that's really lovely as well. So I think whether you are a native speaker or not, I'm hoping that the stories are still very enjoyable and you still get that sense of being here with me and seeing Scotland through those stories and the sound effects and all of that. So it's been really lovely, actually, to get reactions from friends and family, but also from readers in Germany who have embraced the podcast and enjoy listening to it.
0: Do you get teased for having adopted a Scottish accent?
2: Um, I don't get teased so much about my Scottish accent, but I do, when I speak German, sometimes have a German accent because I'm more, you know, there's more Germans in Scotland that I speak to in German. So they do tease me about that. It's quite funny to go and be with my Austrian family, but also with my Scottish family now and bridging the gap between those two worlds because either side feels like, what is going on? What is she talking about? Why is she sounding so funny? Yeah, definitely.
0: (laughs) With season two all planned, do you have ideas in place for a third run?
2: Absolutely. It's obviously, I need to focus on season two and getting all of that out now. But in the back of my head, I am thinking about next year and what we can do for season three. Um, I started working with an editor which makes working on the podcast a lot easier for me and a lot more kind of more of a dialogue than just me bringing out my ideas and being the one who does everything so that has been really lovely. Next year is the year of Scottish stories as I'm sure you're well aware of and maybe some of the listeners are as well so I would love to bring in a way to tell more local stories and the stories of Scottish people and people who live in Scotland. I don't normally do interviews, so I'm not quite sure yet how that will look like, whether I will change the format slightly or whether I will ask people to write stories with me. I'll see how that all pans out. But the year of Scottish stories is, I think, such a perfect match for what I'm trying to do with my podcast. I'll need to do something for that.
0: Perfect. Well, good job. You've got plenty of time on your side since... (laughs)
2: Yes. <laughs> it's, it's going to last a
0: whole year, so at least you don't need to have something immediately. So that's exactly. the beauty of is wonderful. So, Kathy, for those who haven't heard the podcast yet, would it be possible to maybe have a wee introduction from yourself and we can play a clip?
2: Absolutely. So one of my favourite episodes from season one is my story that takes us to the Isle of Oransey. It's a tidal island just off the coast of the Isle of Colensee and the story is called Between the Tides. You'll hear me walking across the beach at low tide to get to this tidal island. You'll hear oyster catchers in the background and just get a sense for what it's like to actually walk to an island instead of taking a boat. So yeah, of course, enjoy this clip. I'm now not walking anymore. I'm stilting, lifting my feet high in the air to take a step forward and minimize the splash. Maybe, I could have waited a little longer for the tide to retreat further but there is no way back now. My ankles and calves are feeling numb from the cold, but at least the ground is soft and sandy and it is easy to walk. Eventually, after what feels like an eternity, but was probably closer to 30 minutes, I reached the other side of the bay. I walked about one mile across the strand the bay that connects Colonsay to the island I'm about to explore, Oronsay. Its name is believed to derive from St Oran, who founded the first monastery here in the 6th century. According to legend, St Oran arrived on the island together with St Columba, the Irish monk who brought Christianity to Scotland and founded the monastery on Iona. They landed on Oransey, but continued their journey after realising that they could still see the coast of Ireland from the highest point on the island. The Kintyre Peninsula lays a similar claim on the missionary, but whether these stories are true is not entirely certain. The other way to explain Oransey's name is that it stems from the Old Norse word for Island of the Low Tide. I reference to the fact that it is only a real island when the tide is high. Considering that there is another Oransey off the Isle of Skye, that is also a tidal island, the later derivation of the name makes more sense to me. I'm now almost knee-deep in water, but getting closer to the edge of Oransey. The ground is different here, not sandy and easy to navigate, but rocky and slippy. I have to wade carefully across the final stretch of water until I reach reasonably dry land. Kelp is piling up all around me, forming a squishy carpet to walk across. Finally, I reach the safe grounds of the coast and a sandy road reveals itself to me. I sit down on a rock to put my socks and shoes back on. Suddenly, it hits me. I just walked across the sea, to an island
0: kathy thank you so much for coming on and joining us on the scottish field podcast so could you let people know where they can find your website and the podcast
2: absolutely thank you so much for having me you can find my scotland blog at watchmec.com and the podcast wild for scotland has a website wildforScotland.com, and you can also find me on social media at wild for scotland
0: brilliant thanks once again
2: thank you bye
0: you can follow Scottish Field on our social media. You can find us on Twitter at www.twitter.com forward slash Field. We have a Facebook page at www.facebook.com forward slash Field, or you can see our Instagram page at www.instagram.com forward slash Scottish That's M A G at the end. And of course, you can pop by our website www.scottishfield.co.uk, which contains unique content that you won't find in the print magazine as well as links to purchase the magazine online in physical and digital formats. That's all we've got time for this week and we'll be back next week to tell you all about our November issue. Until then, have a great week and we'll be seeing you. Bye!